Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another special edition of The Session. I'm your host, Justin Crosley. And as you know from our last episode, now we're doing kind of a pared-down special format for The Session during the COVID-19 lockdown. And of course, a big part of that is that I can't have my whole crew in here in the studio with me while we are uh, sheltering at home and practicing social distancing. So if you want your fill of the whole crew, though, we did do a live Zoom video call on Facebook Live yesterday. You can go find that on the Brewing Network Facebook page. And I think we're going to try to do at least one of those a week with different people. Um, Last night we had a special guest, a special visit, I should say, from Nathan Smith, our resident homebrew expert who's been at home uh, sheltering and homebrewing a whole bunch. I think he said he's been homebrewing. He's homebrewed six times since we were locked down back in March here in the Bay Area. And we had Sully and Teresa uh, Beardy uh, came on for a few minutes at the end to say hello. Kim Shimke, Bevo. Um, So it was a great way for us to catch up with each other, but also to kind of interact with you folks, which you can find over on our Facebook page. Just uh, search the Brewing Network there. And like I said, we're going to try to do more of that. Um, I do want to say that uh, even while we're um, doing our shows on a different schedule right now, we do still have all of our wonderful sponsors. And, you know, I couldn't uh, be doing this without them. And and now more than ever, that's true. Our our Spring Brews Festival, which was a big uh, fundraiser for our local community as well as the Brewing Network, was canceled. Our Spring Brews Fest did not happen in March. And um, then we had the tour lined up. Uh, which we had a lot of sponsors ready to do that, and and I was going to bring home a lot of content for you, um, and that's been postponed. So uh, I will say that now more than ever, our sponsors are really important to keep this show alive. Um, you know, we're one of those small businesses that's hit quite hard, but we're doing our best. Um, haven't had to lay off the BN staff, which is cool. Although if you listen a lot, you know they don't get paid that much anyway. Um, but still. Uh, I'm I'm proud that we haven't been had to do that yet, and I and I hope that that's uh, going to continue. So I want to thank our our main sponsor of this show. They've been with us since day one. More beer. You can go to morebeer.com right now and check out everything that you need while you're home sheltering in place. You can get all the uh, ingredients you need to homebrew, and they're just wonderful over there. In fact, uh, Olin, uh, one of the owners there, reaches out to me I think at least once a week just to see how I'm doing and how we're doing over here and. I just think that's really nice of them. So please go support good companies like that. The 21st Amendment Brewery, also been with us since near day one. And, you know, 21st Amendment is is one of those breweries you're going to read about in the news that, uh, like many other small businesses in the U.S. right now, 
is you know hit by this uh, with bars closed and and keg sales uh, you know come to a screeching halt. You know this affects everybody. And uh, the Twenty First Amendment's really been there for me, and and I can't thank Sully and Nico enough for that. You can go to twenty first dash amendment dot com. Probably find it on the shelves of your local Safeway and other places, and you should support them. Uh, they 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 are they're great at supporting the local uh, community and home brewers and and brewers alike. Blickman Engineering, who's been with us for so long, um, you know, in support of Bruce Strong, and those shows will be coming to you soon. I think I have a couple of episodes recorded for you that I just need to get uh, edited and and posted. Um, I'm I'm running the hop grenade at the same time now, so forgive me that I'm a little slow getting those up to you. But Blickman Engineering, uh, just another wonderful human being, John Blickman and that company, uh, wonderful innovations in the homebrew world. I feel like I'm Trump right now. I should say tremendous more or something, Uh, but I really do love these people. So, uh, you know, I just can't thank them enough. Uh, On today's show, I have interviewed Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company. They're out of Gilbert, Arizona, and co-owners, co-founders, Jonathan Buford and Patrick Ware came on the show with me. I had a really fun time speaking with them. We uh, got to talk, of course, about how they're uh, running things during this shutdown, and they had some really good ideas about how they're taking care of their employees and their staff, so you can tune in for, for that. But also about how, you know, they had, I forget what number they gave, but let's just call it, I think 99% of their sales were were on premise. I mean, they were really one of those accounts that was doing everything on premise and they got closed like everybody else. And they did a very quick and effective pivot. And I think it was an interesting story to listen to. Um, I really relate to those guys, and I was I had a, a great time just listening to them. It was pretty fascinating. So I'm going to take a quick little break to thank some sponsors again, and then when we come back, Arizona Wilderness. All right. I am back in the studio, my lovely studio that I miss so much. I'm back here, and today I'm with Jonathan Buford and Patrick Ware from Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company out of uh, Gilbert, Arizona. Right, guys? Gilbert. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We're proud of that. You should be. You know, I'm not from Arizona, but I am a desert rat. I'm from the Southern California Mojave Desert. That's the shitty part. I love that. I love that (laughs) shitty part. It is 100% the shitty part. It was the meth capital of the world. I somehow made it out. Justin, what do you mean was? (laughs) You're right. You're right. cleaned it up now, John. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that it's really clean. Oh, I didn't get that memo. Okay. Yeah, it's all organic food and people who climb and stuff. (laughs) It's organic (laughs) meth, maybe. (laughs) So, um, you know, I've known Jonathan for for several years. We met down at the Firestone Walker Invitational Beer Festival. Um, I met Patrick last year. Um, and have never gotten the chance to have you guys on the show, and that's my fault. Um, and, and I'm a little bummed that you know I'm doing this special series. That the, the circumstances that I'm finally getting to talk to Arizona Wilderness here is about what breweries are doing uh, during this uh, pandemic. Um, so, listeners, you know we're gonna have a fun, like rip roaring episode with Arizona Wilderness in the near future. Um, but today, I do want to know just a little bit about how you guys got started, when Arizona Wilderness was founded. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourselves before we get into the dire straits of the situation. 
Sure, sure. So this is Jonathan, and and um, I kind of founded the company with the mission to showcase the beauty and diversity of Arizona. Um, I think you even made fun of it once on air. Um, if I recall, we bantered back and forth or something along the way where, like, what the fuck, wilderness is in Arizona, and, and that's the perfect um, candidate for what I believe my mission is, is to say, like, this the Southwest region, this desert region has a lot to offer. And if we don't start to treat it with the respect it deserves, we're going to fucking diminish it, you know? And so wilderness brewing company actually came from the impetus came from a moment. I was crossing, uh, you know, the signs, the wilderness for national forest signs that would essentially say, welcome to this particular wilderness. And I thought, what a really, really unique, um, beneficial to society, sign uh, uh imaginary line that i could take into the brewery world and john palmer had his book out obviously everyone knows how to brew and the bible um if you will and i had that probably in my backpack and sat and said shit i want to combine these two loves that i have of creating craft beer and and wilderness the outdoors and specifically arizona so that's the impetus on my level and then over time i realized i fucking suck at brewing and I don't actually love it as much as I thought I did. I love connecting with people. So this this uh, particular guy named Patrick wow. down the road at another brewery, uh, some people thought we looked like each other. And they kept saying, hey, you look like Pat from Santan Brewing Company. And I said, well, I got to meet this handsome devil. He looks like me, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so So that's where I approached Pat. And I think Pat can take it. There's two different versions of the story. Mine was I was eloquently, you know, an entrepreneur coming in and offering a job. Not that's my version of the story. Well, I think at the time, you know, that was in your Union Union Jack heyday, right? So there was a few pints involved, and it might have been misconstrued a little bit, and also probably a little bit jaded on my part because the industry was popping off, and I was working 12 to 16 hours a day. So yeah, I was a little bit of an angry angry cuss at that point. So, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you said essentially to me, hey, would you like to to work uh, with me and start this brewery? And that kind of came off to me like you're going to work for me, boy. And <laughs> and so I had an adverse reaction to that. Um, but, you know, over time, I got the, the charming Jonathan that we all know. And, <laughs> I, you know, some of that beautiful homebrew crossed my lips and I really, you know, hadn't tasted anything like that um, from anybody on the homebrew scale ever. And uh, and some of the concepts that, you know, some of them I think were directly pulled from this show. Um, he was he was speaking about things that were not being talked about at the brewery that I worked at. And it was much more broad and diverse than than what was in my scope. And because I was a little bit more of a, a manufacturing guy at that point. So, you know, that was kind of a selling point. Put some beer across the lips, yeah. yeah. <laughs> John, John, you do come off a little abrasive at first. You're aware of this about yourself? I used to. I I I gave that up. I, I I'm not. I Justin. I I'm not fighting out of a paper bag anymore. Like I'm not like I, I don't have the chip in my shoulder that I feel like I had. Where you start with absolutely nothing. You have a book and a and a fucking $7 bank account. And so, yes, every single moment I had, I felt like I needed to grab it, I think, right now. And you hear my dog, by the way. That's Daisy, the wilder dog, who goes on me 
I can't get her to stop. I'm sorry. It's okay. All all <laughs> okay. audio problems are fine during this a pandemic. Yes, isn't, that's the one shining light of COVID. Is like you can finally fuck up audio. Yeah, but everyone's I, I, like, "What?" It's the least of my worries, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm hearing other humans. This is great. Um, I yeah. I I don't think I, I don't need to. I found my center, if you will. So sure. I have my mother's personality. I'm a mama's boy, 100%, and that's how my mom was portrayed. But now I think Pat and I are, are in a more kumbaya phase of, okay, we don't have to every single moment go amplified to, to make ourselves known. So I hope that that is the case. Maybe I'm just full of shit. I'm still, still a complete jerk. But No, I'm sure that there is. And I don't even say that to pick on you. In fact, when you describe it, I can fully relate Um uh, you know, when I started the Brewing Network, we wow. were the first beer podcast. But within like a month or two, there was several. And I started a war with every single one of them. I hated it. I had everything to prove that everyone else was awful and I was the best. And uh, I don't feel the same way anymore at all. <laughs> so it's sort of really... I love it. By the way, I w- I've had this question for a while since podcasting has become popular. Are, were you ever called a podcast? Uh, no. I-, I have only recently even started to refer to us at with that term yeah because i don't rem- i remember you saying live stream or like you were like internet radio so you really were one of the first you, you truly can say that we i can I, that is definitely something i don't pat myself uh, uh, on the back about much but that's one of them um and i i hated the the term i still am a little uncomfortable with it um but i thought it was a weird invented word and what i really didn't like was that the the group as a whole was a bunch of like no talent hacks like just anybody could record a podcast right so i didn't feel like that was me i felt like i was a very talented hack and uh so i i just refused to use the word for a long time it's funny no one i don't i don't think has noticed that other than you john yeah okay cool i we we delved into podcasting recently cuz we're bored and we have a lot of words to say and I'm like, what the the root of this word? What the fuck is it? And I looked into on your website. And I'm like, he never called it a podcast. That you raised twenty steps in my mind. Like Justin was podcasting. You're a hipster of podcasting. You did it before it was cool. I'm the, yeah, I'm now a grandfather of podcasting. Basically. That's true. You're a sage, a wise old, wise old sage. Yeah, this June uh, will is fifteen years for us. So, um, and it's been fun. It's been fun. And we're still, I don't know, someone asked me the other day how long we'll do it. And I was like, I, I have nothing else to do. I have no other talent. <laughs> like, this is it. So, uh, well, you're a millionaire now because you started a, a tap room. So, so I mean, much you're money. Fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have nothing to do, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about that. All right, guys. And, and maybe I can just lead you in by, you know, the, so my place here in California, um, we were we were shut down real early on. Um, March 16th was our uh, last day fully open um, and we were shut down by the county um, and we were shut down for a couple of weeks and before they let up a little bit. And now we're in a, a, a pattern where we're allowed to sell uh, cans to go. And the uh, California ABC is allowing us to sell growlers to go too, and that's what we're doing to stay alive. And I can, you know, as we go, maybe I'll, I'll dive into that a little more. But that's what we had to do. We got closed. Now we're just open, not even with staff. It's me and my partner um, just here schlepping beer all day, like my old days, uh, to to pay enough bills to be ready to open again. 
Um, now, you guys aren't just a bar. You're, you're a, a brewery as well. And you've got, what, two locations? Two locations. Yeah, we do have, yeah, we do have two locations. One is, you know how the first year is just band-aiding things together? And one was just getting over that band-aid phase. And so sure. February and March, specifically those two months, spring training baseball comes into play. We, we have like, like most of the staff of Russian River comes down. And so we've gotten to know them so well. And a lot of really great people coming to the Valley to watch their team. Um, and that's just chaos. It's wonderful. It's, it's where the money's actually made, but it's hard to go from, you know, 60 to zero on yeah. a dime like we were asked to do. And, and we were just in the middle of that, man. And, and downtown was just like, all right, we're learning what this is. This downtown Phoenix location is just coming into it. And the first wave of it, I, I don't know, March 16th sounds about right for us too, though we're, <laughs> we're a little more Wild West uh, in our approach. Um, yeah. we, we, I remember we have a multiple sclerosis uh, day every single year and downtown was in the middle of that. So we didn't want to cancel. We brew a beer for that foundation my wife happens to have ms so it's near and dear to us and i i remember looking around going man there's other bars in the country and world right now shut down but we are packed to the brim and it sounds about that date it was a saturday like 13th and 14th and and i just was like man i would hate if we have to shut down didn't feel quite real like oh other bars shut down we're not gonna have to and then as every you know, just to put in perspective here, the that spot, you know, the the downtown spot is upwards of 600 seats, and the the original Gilbert spot grew to a, a 350, 400 seat restaurant as well. So, you know, that is our truly is our business model. It's 90% uh, pints and on premise, and then packaged to go. So, yeah, wow. the COVID situation. Um, you know, before we were able to maneuver and, and do what we do is just assess and problem solve. Um, it truly was, it looked so dramatic because um, that's what we hedged all our bets on was having people there in the building. So sorry to cut you off, John, but um, you know, no, that, no. that's just like the context of the size of, and uh, what we do, you know, we truly, that's what our experience is, is having people in the, in our spaces. So, and we were getting we were getting really good at hosting annoying fucking cub guy, and like <laughs> he he, he yeah. comes in he he and she comes in swarms, and we just got good at that kind of that camaraderie that that you know to to host I think it's six hundred twenty seven people with a downtown location wow. to host that many and be good at it you clearly know that we had one hundred seventy staff members. This is the same guy that you met all those years back who still just didn't know much about what was going on. So when I say we were full steam and had to hit the brakes, there was some relentless um, moments. And then there was a lot of fear, you know, like, holy shit, the loans, the uh, just the partners and the, and the employees. It yeah. wasn't just like, oh, this is going to suck. It was I, I did. Pat and I invested literally every dollar into downtown Phoenix as our expansion plan. Every dollar we have, our houses are on the loan. Because it was going so well, that was not an well, issue. We, the only we sucked at it for the first year. I mean, that that first season, we we did okay, but you know, it, it was something that it took us a year to learn it, and so we're yeah. yeah, we're finally getting into that flow of okay. I think we're we're getting a good good roll on this, and we're starting to understand it. It's a big space, large parties, you know, curating to that, and and becoming different. 
a different style of service, this counter service mentality, these big, large groups, you know, and, and live music and some things that were kind of foreign to us before being downtown in the art scene was different. So, you know, that was a, a dramatic moment to, to like halt all that all of a sudden and then ask, basically go into scavenge mode because we had, you know, 500 kegs of beer that was like, okay, that you got to sell that somehow. I don't know what to do with that. And you also have, you know, $40,000 worth of food and two coolers. What do you do with that? You know, that's going to go bad quick. So that was the big scary moment. And then obviously telling, we had to tell over a hundred people, Hey, don't come to work. And then that was the pinnacle of that, that kind of scary moment that, that we went through. It's heartbreaking that part of it. And, and I don't think that there's a, a, a better word than, than terrifying when you, when you see that happening. Um, I said to Nico Freccia in my last interview like this that I felt like we're kind of in a state of shock um, in the sense that you guys didn't completely freak out. You're talking about how you, you were scared. You're talking about how you had to do these things, but you, you didn't like freak out and jump off a cliff or <laughs> go screaming, you know, and, and I just think nobody really – it felt surreal, didn't it? It felt like it couldn't really be happening even though you clearly – we're taking action. We, Justin, we, there's like 25 people in my Rolodex that I go to for times like that of like, Hey, person with wisdom, uh, Sean O'Sullivan, Nico's partner would be one of them. Uh, yeah. But one in particular, Chris Bianco of Pizzeria Bianco here. Uh, he's a um, James Beard winning chef. And I, when I called him and he said, you know, this guy was open during 9-11. This guy started in 88 and has been all over the world. He's just, he's one of those chefs that's magnanimous. When he said, I have nothing for you right now, I am fucking, when he goes silent, yeah, you go, oh, Jeff Bagby, a guy that I've considered a great friend, call it Jeff, uh, uh, silence. Um, yeah. you, you call people who just, that were so deep. Uh, Jeff Stuffings over at Jester King, um, just these these people who you just said they can get through anything. When they when the phone went silent for ten seconds after, you were like, okay, so we really are all in this boat. There's not one person who's like, I got a secret for you. Watch this. I'm going to do something special. It, it was no, I don't know how to get through this. I have no way to do it. Yeah. And that was even uh, I think compounded it. Justin is, you know, we were on the phone with Zane Lamprey at the time, and Zane Lamprey was going to be doing a cross-country tour with his stand-up comedy. Mm. And he was so gung-ho, he, he was excited to come to our spot downtown in specific because of its size. And and he was like, I'll be coming in May. I don't, and, and then over time, learning a guy who's been in this industry for 20 years, um, he, also say the same, like, you know, I don't know what to do. And my brand's based on being around people. And yeah. that was even more to me, more compounding was – the great people in our industry are looking at this as an unforeseeable moment. There was no, you, there was no strategy. There's just the smartest Harvard guys didn't know what to do. The, the, the brewers who made the best beer went, uh, what do we do? And that's, that's, that will mark for me what this represents the most. It's just the, the, the uncontrollable future, the unforeseen, the fog of war. Yeah. And, and that's the anxiety-inducing part at this point, is there's so many unknowns. I think at the same time as, as what you, exactly what you say is happening, the only, you know, maybe one of the reasons we didn't freak out is that 
there's also some comfort in knowing, okay, well, we're all kind of fucked together. And it can't possibly be that the whole world's going to blow up. We can't all catch fire at this. So the fact that the fact yeah, so while yeah. that's disconcerting, it in some ways it's comforting, and it made me at least feel like okay, okay, okay. The government, like someone's going <laughs> to throw some lifelines out because we don't just all stop ceasing to be uh, functional in, in business or in life or anything else. You know, there were there were a few of those moments where we did go to super. Uh, backup plan, right? Let's go to the food distributors, see what kind of frozen food that they can allocate for us in case that all food is cut off to Arizona because our lifeline runs from California over, you know, and then that's where we start to formulate, okay, we really got to rely on our local purveyors and, and push people that direction and, and have them engage in that and continue some of the the initiatives that we have because we know that that, that happens within our our control, you know, and, and we're not relying on big food systems and, and big uh, barley systems. We, we can actually control that ourselves due to the, the hyper local nature that we've we've put ourselves in. And th- a lot of those purveyors have actually worked with us and and delayed payments and, you know, lowered their prices, which is, you know, it's been a, a savior for us. And it's and the immense support um, from the people that have engaged in our product, but they've just engaged in a different manner. Um, you know, we, we had a discussion with David Walker earlier and, and he was um, stating that they were about 70 percent of their sales, which is incredible. I mean, that's that's unthinkable that you could still be at that level. Um, and and when I think about it now, we're we're actually pretty close to that ourselves um, without having these massive um, t- taproom spaces based on beer delivery. Um, and that's that's something that had to be created overnight. That was an adaptability principle. Um, just as if you were in the wilderness and, and a massive storm rolls in, like you have to just adapt and survive. And our team has just done an incredible job of that. I mean, John and I can run into the fire and that's immediately what we did. Our, our gut reaction was, okay, let's do something about this. So we filled my truck up and started driving around town. I mean, it was, it was crazy because we were doing that 10 hours a day, just hand delivering beer to people. Um, and then the team just took up the slack and said, okay, I see what direction you guys are going. Let's do this. It's just, it's amazing what they, they've accomplished in such a short period. What's, what's so interesting about this, doesn't it feel like we're talking about two years ago or like a decade ago? Like this was fucking a month ago. We're, we're acting like this is post-mortem. Like we're wrapping up some crazy time. Well, we're in it and, and we're now currently managing um, the turd that has been handed to us. So I do want to reiterate, like, this is still in the middle of it. And what we're just doing is talking about the beginning of how we were, you know, we, we saw this this in a small television format in front of us going, oh, shit, we have to react to this. Just a month later, we're still, I mean, we're a fraction of ourselves. We're not, like, we didn't figure some magical equation out and and it save the world but we do have some strategies that have worked uh, yeah i mean we worked. figured out how to kick the can down the road with rent yeah. and various things that there's it's still an obligation to us but for now it's it's less of a worry it's less of an imminent it, this is going to matter to us within the next couple of weeks so that's super helpful I, I have the same here at the Hop Grenade. We're we're not making enough to pay rent and to uh, to hire staff. You know, like there's a bunch of things we're not doing. Kick the can down the road is is probably the, about the best analogy. Um, 
you know, talking about how it feels like the past, I, I don't like to make like grandiose analogies like to, you know, historical trauma in the world. But like, but, you know, when when we go to war, when when there's 9-11, when there's when we have no choice but to pick up and like run forward, we do tend to do that. Humans tend to do that. Um, I'll even be a little patriotic and say Americans tend to do that. Um, America. Yeah, I don't mind that every now and then, you know. Um, and uh, that it does become almost normal very quickly because if we if it didn't, if if the anxiety was too great, we we wouldn't be able to keep running forward. Does that make sense? Like it has to feel a little bit like it's the past already and normal. Otherwise, we probably psychologically couldn't deal with it. Yeah, I think to be honest, it, it sands the the death and the really really hardships of it. I think yeah. some of us even liked to feel alive again. Craft beer and 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 I guess life in general had a lot of the. I, I keep I refer to it as the click and buy campaign. We're the click and buy generation. We clicked yeah. it to our fucking front door. I mean, how many beer festivals you were in Australia? I was gonna yeah, New probably, Zealand. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna see you in New Zealand. Um, how you didn't grow up saying I'm going to travel to Europe four times in a year, every other year. And it's not that that's negative. It just got to be the point where I remember looking in the mirror going, what? I mean, could we have 22,000 breweries in America? It yeah. won't stop. So I'm not saying that's good. What I'm saying is it, it felt good to have a problem to solve again. It felt very similar to 2007, right. 8, 9, and 10 when you read John Palmer's book and went, holy shit, look at Sam Calajone on TV we're going to band together and start a revolution. And I, I hate to even sound like I'm not referencing the horrible chaos that's happening, but I think you get what I'm saying. It's, I do. There, there is some gusto in this and you roll your sleeves up and it felt, it felt like post-World War II a little bit where America's like, let's get this done, you know? So we're in the middle, middle of that. I will even add to that, that in a different way, you know, for me, I always seem to have 10 projects going on and that can just <laughs> tend to be complex and complicated. And I was talking to some, a good friend uh, just the other day saying, well, in some ways, I feel better about the simplicity of what's happening right now. And the simplicity is survival. I have one task at hand. It is to keep the doors open at the hop grenade so that I can eventually hire my team back. It is to uh, keep the brewing network going. Uh, I have not had to lay off our brewing network staff so I can keep paying them. Um, and there's like there's this survival simplicity that is making my life. I don't want to say easier because because none of this is easy, but less complicated, less complex. The idea I is no longer complex. Relate. I can so relate to you. Uh, right now and and it's like we took ritalin and we're all like focused on one thing now yeah, and, yeah. and my my 700 tabs and like really strange side project emails where pat was like uh okay um sure we'll do that it, it's now pat and patrick and i are seeing eye to eye on let's just go in tomorrow and open and get that thing done and and at the end of the day your safety of your employees, your business, and your own internal life is is so basic, and it's easy to maintain. I didn't realize yeah. how fucking hard I made everything until this time. <laughs> I, it's true. <laughs> it's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting time for self reflection for sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you relate. I was feeling <laughs> I was feeling strange about that one. Just like you said, uh, you don't want to diminish like the disaster that's happening, and I don't either. But 
the survival mode just kind of and then it it also breeds creativity i mean let's so let's talk about that you guys pivoted by you said you just immediately started delivering beer yeah so one of our our one of our really talented employees um who came from other half he was running logistics for us but he happened to have like a really unique skill in the in the tech side of things so he just put together a square site overnight and started routing drivers, you know, efficiently routing drivers and creating this whole backend system that would allow us wow. to get product um, up and available. And then, you know, within a week, it was grown from a 25, 20 mile radius to the entire valley. And uh, and then basically put us in a position where we're now, it, I, it's so strange for me to say this, um, but I am looking at purchasing a piece of equipment because now this is such a big part of our business that outsourcing and doing mobile canning really doesn't make sense at this point. And that's our bottleneck. You know, that's basically our restriction is we don't have the ability to can, can enough beer, (laughs) which is insane to think about. Think about. It is, especially when you were, you just said how on premise was the, uh, you virtually the entire model. Um, and here, so we're seeing that here in the Bay area, um, the hop grenade, we, we were always allowed to sell bottles and cans to go. And we have like a like two two-door refrigerators that we do this out of. So not a lot. Um, but we were losing some of our volume to, to bottles and cans. Uh, you know, we make more on drafts too, just like you guys do, right? Like there's more margin. Um, but I would say our sales were kind of down 10% because they were shifting over to bottles and cans. Well, now that I've done this online ordering and this pickup stuff, even when we open again, I can't see stopping it. I no, think yeah, we would make yeah, up no the way, 10% no that I was losing. I will now make up if I keep it going. So what we're, you're talking about buying equipment. I'm talking about hiring another person when we're back up to just do that. You know, God's got a weird sense of humor or, you know, whatever, whatever universal God there is. It, it's like, you're fucking teaching us this really unique lesson. Well, we, I, I've talked to every single brewer has all had the, the strong ones, the ones who were strong going in, yeah. have all had some insight gained and said, I didn't know we could do that. I'm probably going to continue to do that even when things go back to normal. I mean, we're going to be a beer delivery machine that we are now because we just invested a huge portfolio um, of our business towards it. And yeah. it's working. And you go, well, I was wondering where growth would come from. We thought, man, the brick walls in front of us, we might see wilderness at its finest. I don't know if we're going to go regional at any time in the next decade. And then this comes along and you go, oh, we just were, we, we were not seeing the whole picture and beer delivery. I, I didn't even know it was fucking legal, Justin. I didn't even know that you could do that. And you, you call it, we call it our craft brewers guild. And they're like, yes, you could have done this the whole time. And it just, the reaction was met with, what I, again, we, we reference this American way, but it's funny. I didn't get told no once in this whole cycle. It was, yes, now you can deliver beer. Yes, you can do those things. No, there's no more. Ca- like it, it turned into like the lawless land because we are so value. Our commerce is so valued in this country that it was like, just make, just stay open and make money. And, uh, and that's unique yeah. to, to and experience. You, and your brain kind of opens up to those opportunities. Uh, next thing you know, after we get the, you know, a couple of weeks under our belt of delivering beer, we do all draft cocktails at our spot. And it's, it's all, you know, local uh, spirits. And we had all these kegs laying around 
I'm like, well, I can't pour those into a glass for somebody at one of these locations. Let's just start bottling it off, off tap and yeah. create some labels and get that out, you know? And so it's, it's like, it's this creativity principle of, Oh, I guess we could do that. Let's try this out. You know, you have all these opportunities and abilities to, to maneuver now, which is really crazy because you would have been told no 100 times in a row uh, if you asked that before. Yeah. You know, I, I hear people complaining that, uh, you know, in this crisis and in times of crisis um, that our capitalist society turns turns socialist. Right. And there's there's some there's some argument to be made with, with bailouts and such. But anybody who says that we're not at the top of our capitalist game right now is not an entrepreneur because I'm seeing capitalist ingenuity left and right. It's what we're talking about. It's capitalists going, well, shit, we got to figure something out. You know, I was angry at my can sales for diminishing profits 10 percent and trying to figure out a way to shift away <laughs> from them. Right. And now I'm like, sure. wait, why didn't you just embrace them? If that's where the people were going, why didn't you just embrace that and instead boost the sales of them? Which is clearly what I'm doing now because it's the only thing I can do. Nobody can come sit at my bar and have a pint. And to me, that's capitalism working. Yeah, I think it, we're it, trying we, to. We're trying to react to that from both angles where we have an incredible COO who's who's enacted this, uh, you know, these lease negotiations and also procured PPP funds um, mm. as as well as John and I's gut capitalistic reaction to create commerce and, and do it in a safe way, obviously. But, you know, that paired together, I think, has put us in a decent position where we're, we, we can go to sleep at night, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Justin, you'll love this story. So that COO that we're talking about, uh, he's a Harvard grad. He's the asshole who makes the lease you can't get, fight or get out of. So he was he 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 was the guy who actually created the lease for our Gilbert location, and oh. and it just it, it was like not manageable. Long story short, now he's our employee, and it's awesome to see him maneuver because he we but like all, all creative you know young entrepreneurs they're going to butt head with a guy like this you know he's got he's got his little fucking cufflinks with his acronym on it like his, yeah. he's just like he's, he's got just air conditioned seats in his mercedes I, I yeah if he doesn't if he doesn't start his mercedes 10 yeah. minutes before he gets into it he's fucking mad because his, his air conditioning didn't turn on but we then you see him yeah but then you see him shine in the time like this and right. he's having conversations with landlords that i don't truly understand and and, and I'm hoping that other breweries understand the value of your lease and your kind of that, that back end um, mumbo jumbo that, that you didn't really take uh, much note of right now is coming massively into play to, to, to be able to get a rent abatement, which is essentially put it onto the end of your lease. So we mm -hmm. have a 10 year lease. We, we took three months, to put it on the end and the next three months we don't pay that. Yeah. Those are the, the kind of scenarios that Pat and I would have just kind of like, been well, drooling yeah. in a conversation going, uh, it really puts in perspective, you know, when you're talking about at least words like force majeure, where yeah. before, what, what does that mean? What's that really, what's that for? Why are we wasting our time with it? And it really is situations like this. What if this happens? What if, and the what if scenario, entrepreneurs don't want to think about that. We want to think yeah. about the, the positive what ifs, not the if lightning bolt strikes this pole on your patio and it falls on a person's head, what happens then? 
we don't think about that. We just think about that person having a great time and how many of their friends they can bring in. That's your job. That's right. And and too much of the, of the thinking about the lightning bolts, by the way, and none of us sleep, and then what a miserable life that we have. So there's a reason for that. Yeah, sure, sure. And there's a reason for us, look at us growing up, right? Like like starting scrappy and like, I don't care. I'm just going to, I'm going to do this podcast and we're eventually going to make money. I'm going to figure it out. You, know, you guys are, you know, we're going to make beer. We're going to make the beer we want to make and people are going to buy it. And that's what I'm going to think about. And there's a need for that. Some people never uh, start their dream. They never kick it off. They never, because they don't have that initial kind of hunger. But now, you know, that the, our industry has matured and hopefully we have too, and, and then things like these come up, it's time for us to mature in every aspect too. You have to become well-rounded. You know, the, people, the list of people that you mentioned, John, you know, that, that you look up to and that you might give a phone call, when I think of those names, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really put myself on the level with them. I, I see them as much more well-rounded, you know. I'm a creative guy. You're, I think you are, John. But there's a reason that they're so successful too because they figured out even if they had to hire to do those things, they're not good at, right? Right, right. And if I had your number, I still wouldn't have called you. No, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Because I've been like, John, I don't know, man. I'm drunk. <laughs> Again. Right, what was it? your thing back in the day was like you couldn't keep homebrew in the garage because you'd drink it before it was fully fermented. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it's it, – look, we have had a lot of pieces fall into place because we had the seven years. We started in – 2013, um, we've had the the ability to make mistakes, and those yeah. are you know it's it's all the fucking cliches you know, but it's so true. You you hire wrong, you hire wrong again, you hire wrong the third time, and you start to go, oh, yeah. these people who are whatever not you know fitting my system, I better interview better, and then over time you start to interview better, and then you find these these gems that fit your system. You go into COVID scenarios with those people, as I believe we have, and yeah. you get to sit back and watch this beautiful thing happen. And we, you know, we, we all had to succumb to a smaller paycheck. We all had to, you know, enter a new atmosphere of don't think too creatively right now or don't do too much. But, but those people were like, you know, we can get through this. And that's my biggest advice to any, um, what do I do? It's, I'm sorry if you don't have the right people around you right now, but don't do that. Don't have that mistake around you again. You, having really intelligent people around you is just, it's the Warren Buffett kind of thing is you, you can sit back in your office and go, wow, these people I've hired are carrying me through this time and they know how to interact with guests and they know how to do the back end tax situation and lawyering and that are very extremely lucky, but it's majority of it's because we got the fuck up for seven years. And, and I feel like that's the biggest blessing is we started in, in, in 13 when you could have pissed in a cup, put hops in it, and people to show that lined up, and yeah, yeah. as the consumer got smarter, we had to get smarter with the consumer and try to outsmart the consumer in some ways. And and in that sense, our pocketbooks did open to a payroll that was numbers I never ever ever would have dreamed about paying to to numerous staff members. But now I look at it and go. Well, God damn it! I'm so happy we did that. I'm so happy yeah. we have these people in, in our company, and that's one of the successes we've experienced right now. Is is systems need management, and we're fortunate to have good management. I love that. Yeah, got to have talent around you, uh, you know, to to make it through this stuff. I think that's excellent advice to anybody. Um, that and do whatever the fuck you have to do right now. <laughs> it, 
if you have a knife, you better start stabbing. If you, you know, you got you got to figure something out. If, dude, I'm telling you, seeing Pat, it was so funny day two. Like, we we have a Pat has like this ebb and flow. We all have our ebb and flow, but Pat has this ebb and flow of if there's any threat of danger, he turns into this primordial character that's like he claws come out like he turns into a wolverine type and he literally starts loading up his truck with beer and is like i'm gonna fucking sell beer we're gonna we're gonna drive it around it's interesting reaction to see how people respond like the people who have gone into their hermit shells over this are also interesting to say like so you you just you you shut down okay got it it's it's over for now and you don't know if we're gonna come back that's also a different which is fine you can react that way if you want it's yeah it's really interesting to see how how different people are to stress, you know, in these scenarios and how resilient people are, you know, what, what is their gut reaction when, when something like this happens or, and it's not just a pandemic, right? It's, it's things in your life. So how resilient are you to stress or to challenges or to change, you know, because change, how much change have we had in such a tiny period of time? So how are you, how well are you, capable of adapting, you know? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you are seeing different people react in different ways. And um, I'm not a big judger when it comes to that stuff. I think these kind of things just, uh, you know, people behave differently. But it, you're right that it's it's interesting to, to watch because it is all different. And in my experience, it sounds like yours too, it's all fairly helpful too, <laughs> you know, that, that we're not all exactly the same. Um, you know, and I think that that's just pretty important. Do you guys mind if I ask a numbers question, like what percentage of your staff you were able to retain or, or bring back after the initial hit? Yeah, we, day one, we want, we broke a lot of company rules, by the way. We ne- said we never used styrofoam and plastics. We're kind of one of those, or we are mm-hmm. one of those eco-friendly. So we did a lot of like, oh shit, we better contract. So we probably let go more than we needed because it felt like shutdown was imminent. Uh, mm-hmm. We went from 170 and Pat, do you remember the exact number? It, it, it 120 about was the number we laid off by the, that, that's about. Yeah, the we, we were probably around that 50 range. Basically what we did, Justin was we moved to a point where it was um, only salaried people um, and a few key hourly people. So, those salary people stepped their game up and basically absorbed all of the work. So you have mm-hmm. your, your like head of restaurant operations is now running around uh, doing stuff in the restaurant. And, you know, you're while you're reading an email saying you're going to get paid 25 to 50% less. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so we, we did that as well, where it was salary people. Hey, you're going to, you're going to have to take a, a hit right now. Um, John and I and uh, Charles, our COO, um, said we're going to take zero dollars for for the foreseeable future, and then those uh, you know hundred plus people that were furloughed. Um, John did a great job of just gathering the community and, and at least giving them. We said, hey, we can at least give them beer and food, right? Let's get mm-hmm. them beer. Let's get them food. Let's work with some other local businesses to get them, you know, just a, a few things while while they're kind of waiting um, and trying to see. Yeah, and then, we traded uh, gift cards, by the way, with other restaurants and, and said, hey, we'll give you, you know, 50 gift cards if you give us 50 gift cards and give it to the staff members in a, in a weekly pickup. And, you know, the, nice. look, man, these, these people were your sales reps. They were selling your cars. 
And they talked about your beer probably more eloquently over time than you did. And the, you being the, the brewery owner, you know, like over time, these people probably became more experts in many aspects of your business than you ever knew or were. And, and it, it, the second they went away, we saw that right away. Like, okay, we're on an island. We need to, we need to be the, the uh, experts in everything again. And you realize the weight that an employment force um, carries, that net, what, what they carry is a lot more than just pulling a handle and going, here's your beer. It, it's yeah. this particular product came from this, this, this is the reason it's here. So with them not in the room, it, it, it felt very empty. And so I definitely said, Hey, um, let's take care of them in whatever way possible. And the simple thing of just a meal a day, here's some gift cards. We had some farmers step up and give us micro greens. We do support a lot of farms here and they, they saw what we were doing. And, and now it, it still is continuing. Like, that's really, that's special to me is when a yeah. vendor says like even Cisco, the massive food vendor said, can we step in and help in any way? We had a dentist's office drop off toothbrushes and toothpaste, and wow. and, and, and and that was easy. And then tomorrow um, we're releasing. Um, I guess it's a collaboration of kind of spirit with other half brewing company in Brooklyn. Uh, Sam called me and said, "What do you think about this idea of brewing a beer where all proceeds go to uh, this charity that helps the the unemployed?" Uh, specifically in the service industry. And I stepped in and said, the only problem I have with that is I have more than the average small brewery, uh, you know, 120 people. So we, we decided that beer releasing tomorrow called All Together is going to all go to our staff first uh, to ensure that they're taken care of. So we, we've done some things to, to hopefully take care of the people who, when they come back, will need them desperately because uh, they're so trained at what we do. Yeah, fuck, yeah. training is the hardest thing ever, right? It's like, oh, God, six months from now, you'll finally understand what that means. And we had them all there. We had them all ready to go. And and uh, we had you know we had some world-class bartenders, kitchen people. Uh, the socioeconomics is crazy. We have a lot of the Hispanic people in our kitchen. It's like they take they, 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 their world got hit so much harder and different than ours. So we're trying to keep the kitchen people employed to keep steady paychecks. And Sorry to go on a little tangent. It's just, no, you know, not at all. This Pandora's box is never ending. And, and so what we're trying to do is just be a positive light to the community. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, Justin, I stayed or we, Pat and I stayed open, is we believe that the community dries up culturally. And if it does, there is a spirit lost that that not just capitalism, but that 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 American spirit or that human spirit is like, oh, all the breweries are shutting down. It's it, it's it's kind of hopeless now. We felt like that was unnecessary. So we did continue um, when we saw the consumer show up and, and we had to get COVID friendly really fast. And we had staff members making face masks at, you know, their, their true story, their mother went to uh, TJ Maxx or, or something like that and bought a bunch of, uh, you know, material to make masks and she handmade them. And, and we had uh, people putting on their, their vehicles, Arizona wellness beer delivery vehicle and banding together to say, thank you. And, and we got an email. Thank you for, employing my husband i i'm unemployed and even just the nickel and diamond that you're doing right now is still paying our bills so they're the 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 best thing i think a brewery can do is do what the old england pubs did do what the old german beer guards did is be the center of communication and attention in the in the community so that's i guess it's my soapbox but that's okay i I, i'm with you and i love to hear this and i i've almost except for the 
the last 15 years of the podcast, but then I opened at the bar. I've almost exclusively worked in the hospitality industry in my, in my life. Um, and I've never seen the general public care so much as they do right now too. like really understand how hard hit our industry in particular is and, and will be by the way. Um, and so that's been, uh, uh, encouraging for me and, and heartwarming. Like I like to see that, um, and like I said, I've just never seen it before. And those are some great ideas that you gave out, too, that, that I think I'm going to adopt and, and reach out to some of my – I talk to the local breweries and other bars and stuff, but we, we're all so busily scrambling for, for how we're going to remain open um, that some of our – I haven't had some of these ideas to, like, exchange gift cards. That's a great one um, to be able to give to our staff uh, and do th- just little things like that um, since we can't hire them back yet. Um, we're waiting on that PPP program, like most of the planet, um, <laughs> to find out what that is. Um, so yeah, and and also uh, now I'm rambling a little bit, but I'm glad you mentioned the Altogether beer, uh, which if if you don't know, folks, that's a worldwide collaboration uh, that breweries uh, made a beer. They're all called Altogether to, and the proceeds going to help our industry. Jonathan, I think it's cool that you're like, hey, yeah, I'm in. First, we're going to help ours, um, and second, you know, I even said we my beer buyer was going to buy beer um from another state and i was like you know i'm okay to do that eventually but right now i think let's we should stay hyper local because that's what we can do we don't have a lot of shelf space you know i just was like with the amount of shelf space we have i'd like it to be california beer for now you know and as time goes on maybe but um, so I think that's a cool thing, John, to, to, to do that for your staff. And folks, if you see the altogether beer on the shelves or, or, or on the online stores that we all have now, um, buy that. I'm sure they're great beers. Uh, we got ours here, um, that we just got yesterday. It was from Urban Roots Brewery. Oh, uh, we were, I just was with him. Um, Peter um, Hoey. Peter, he, one of my favorite people ever. And I just was in Sacramento right as COVID was hitting, and again, another brewery, Peter, you know, I love going and stealing ideas from smart people like Peter. He was our rep, uh, BSG rep for a while. And man, I, I he was also, sorry, you know, to, to go on another tangent, he was also like really hitting the stride. You could tell he was, he was showing me where he smokes his meat and he was like, yeah, we're really good at this now. And I just, I feel for people like that who like, we all just got really good at what we were doing and always clicking. And guys like Peter, you know, who who didn't need to open a brewery, uh, did it because like the, the love of the game, right? The love of the beer, and yeah, and that is hard to see. But I, I will say this: I'll toot Peter's horn too, because Peter Hoey is a brewer's brewer. Like all of the brewers know that Peter's a badass when it comes to making mm-hmm. beer. He always has been. Uh, he's been in this industry for a while, but he's not like the he's not like the fan favorite, right? He's not like the uh, the Caligoni or whoever that like that even the beer nerds know about. But everybody in the beer industry is like, oh, Peter's beer, drink that. That's in my fridge. He's the, he's the equivalent of a good pilsner. Yeah, he is. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right, and he makes a good one. He's too. the human pilsner. <laughs> Oh, my God. He's going to love that. I'm going to text him afterward. (laughs) We just dubbed him the human pilsner. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gentlemen. Uh, Well, listen, um, I want to thank you, and I want you to give our listeners information about how they can support uh, Arizona Wilderness and, by extension, your team and and your staff. Where can they go? What can they do? Yeah, so so what what is the easiest way – 
is to go to azwbeer.com. If you're in the state of Arizona and kind of what Justin alluded to is we're going to kind of protect our, our boundary line here as we can grow it. I can't, I can't wait to send some beer up to you, man, and have a really kick-ass party up there and do a post because the post COVID life is, it's going to be like the Bahamas, you know, Lake Havasu and, and like on the moon all at once. It's going to be incredible. Um, but if you go to azwbeer.com, we've made it pretty easy to navigate to our shop and we'll deliver beer to your front door. And those delivery people happen to be our old servers. So every time we see demand grow, we're able to go from, you know, 50 employees to like 72 now. So we're able to even hire some back that's giving the brewer a job. That's giving, um, we started a malt house project here two years ago. So we essentially have a farmer who approached us and said, hey, alfalfa, cotton, and corn, they're, they're the worst crop to grow in Arizona or anywhere, but in Arizona specifically because it ha- we have to pull river water to grow these crops. So we were able to grow barley, and I said, eh, we need a malt house, right? Malt house comes because of the Nature Conservancy. It was able to team up with Pepsi, a true story, and build a malt house here. So we're, we're buying malt from the Sanago Malt Company based an hour north of Phoenix, and we're able to support all of them. So when you do buy beer at, at, at any brewery, consider the downstream effects, not the owners. We're, we're no longer the profit. The profit margin doesn't even come close to ownership in, in I would say, 100% of the breweries. This is specifically to keep the system afloat so we can come back healthy. Uh, so agwbeer.com is the best way to do it. Um, you know, and, and Pat and I have our the Wilderness Humans. Uh, yeah, and uh, of- check out our... Our uh, new podcast, The Wilderness Footprint. That's cool. Oh, you can get that that's on the website and on iTunes also? Yeah, we'll look, we don't, know, we don't know what the fuck we're doing, man. Uh, I don't know if it's on <laughs> iTunes. We're trying. In Apple, I, and I didn't want to offend you. I'm like, I know Justin used to hate other people on your <laughs> podcast, but you're so mature now. Yeah, now it's you're fine. So ours isn't a beer <laughs> podcast, though. Ours is, ours yeah. is different. <laughs> I did look. I did look through yours because I, I have to look that stuff up. Um, I am still kind of a jealous prick sometimes, so I go like listen and just make sure nobody's better than I am. That's the extent of my research. Oh, we're terrible. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay, that's a great way. I'm, I'm glad that you, by the way, explained that kind of cycle because I'll say it again. That's to me like capitalism at its finest too. Like when all of the cogs in the wheel work like that, to me, capitalism is not like the grossest, most disgusting executive profits on the planet like it has been for quite some time now. To me, capitalism is when you do one thing and it employs somebody else and on and on and on. And you described it very well like that, how supporting Arizona wilderness will do just that. Well, it's it's conscious capitalism, right? It's uh, using capitalism to a positive benefit and rather than what it tends to be, you know, it's this like cancerous growth organism that destroys everything in its path. I mean, this is a different, different way to use that energy and that power. And so we're just trying to harness that in, in a way that it, it's used for good, you know, and, and people feel like they make a difference just by drinking some, some beer. It's really yeah. easy. It's easy and it does make a difference. It really does. I'm seeing it in the breweries here dropping off, you know, cans uh, every day and, and we're going through them fast. So it's good to see the chain at work. Uh, AZWbeer.com, right? That's it. That's That's it mate. Okay. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Um, the next time we do this, we'll be in a, in a at least post-lockdown world. Um, and I, I want to come party at the brewery.
yes, we would love to have you. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll plan something special. I, I remember you doing live shows and that like really annoying audio in the background. I want to do one of those shows. <laughs> I want to have like, six, I want to have all 627 people packed in and you have oh, to deal with that. Like the good old days, man. You'll watch me go insane right in front of your eyes. It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for this forum and and the the ability to speak positive about a pretty shitty situation. Absolutely. And uh, good luck to you. Stay in touch so we know what's happening. Done. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. And thank you to Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company for taking the time to tell their story with us. I hope that uh, you all are doing all right out there at home and that you're taking care of each other and that you're not getting too frustrated by this whole thing. Uh, You know, this too shall pass. So hang in there. Uh, You can send us feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. I'd love to hear from you and your stories about how you're dealing with things during this time. It's looking like out here in California, we're going to be locked down for, uh, (laughs) for the foreseeable future. Which, uh, yeah, by, by my nervous laughter, you can tell I'm, I'm really excited about. But hopefully we beat this thing and uh, we all come out the other side okay. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors. And I will be back with more as soon as I can. Uh, make sure you check out our Facebook page. Like I said, we've got a live Zoom that we did up there with everybody. And I think we'll be doing more of those also. And it's the best way to keep tabs on what's happening right now. It's probably even more up to date. As the uh, you know, than than the website. As I'm as I'm kind of busy running the hop grenade at the same time. So uh, bear with us. I will get to you as much content as I possibly can. Thank you. Take care of yourselves and uh, take care of your beer if you're brewing. All right. We'll see you next time.